For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back in, everybody. It's the Believe in Patriots podcast right here on the Believe Podcast Network. Pat, 6-6, six and six, still in the hunt in the AFC playoff picture. Quick turnaround this week as I'll play the Rams on Thursday. So what we're going to do here is we're going to break down the Chargers win, and then later in the week we'll have a Rams recap. So this one exclusively Chargers and some other stuff. So you can follow me on Twitter, Brady Farkas, at WDEV Radio Brady. You can follow our co-host, former Patriots quarterback, Heisman Trophy winner, CFL Hall of Famer, Doug Flutie. You can follow him, Twitter and Instagram, at Doug Flutie. We're also going to have Aaron Wells, our producer, in here, and we're going to be joined by the crew from the Believe in LA football podcast, Frosty Rucker, 13 years NFL as a defensive lineman, and Ryan Dyroot. The podcast, as always, is brought to you by Bet Online. BetOnline.ag is the place you need to go. We're heading in towards crunch time. You're getting towards holidays. You need a little extra money. How can you get that extra money? Well, responsibly by betting by betting on the NFL. As we tape this right now, we got Tuesday night football going on. Maybe get some in-game betting. Uh, maybe that's what I'll do later today on Cowboys Ravens, but. You want to get ready for Patriots and Rams on Thursday. You want to make sure you got money in your account. Do it safe. Do it responsibly. BetOnline.ag, the only place where you should be making your bets during the NFL season. Aaron, to the podcast. What you're about to hear is a presentation of the Believe in Patriots podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. All the news, opinions, and insights on your six-time Super Bowl champion, New England Patriots. Now it's your host, me, Brady Farkas, and Heisman Trophy winner, CFL Hall of Famer, and former Patriots quarterback, Doug Flutie. All right, welcome back in, everybody. Once again, it is the Believe in Patriots podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Pats are 6-6. Six and six. I'm Brady. Aaron's our producer. He's behind the scenes, and we welcome in Doug Flutie as always. Doug, how are you? Doing good. Doing good. Busy day, running around a little bit. Were you surfing today? It was too cold, actually. It, uh, I'm in Florida. The waves were actually nice this morning. I normally would have gone, even though it was like 45 degrees early this morning, but my uh, nephew was a little bit of a wimp and didn't want to go. 45 degrees. It's like 21 and windy up here right now. I, I know. I would have thrown on the wetsuit and gone, but uh, it'll, it'll warm back up tomorrow. We'll be ready. Oh, to well, good. I'm, so, I'm sorry that's for your loss of one day surfing. Um, <laughs> I got a lot of things I want to get to today. The way we're going to operate this podcast this week is uh, we're going to do one Chargers recap, and then later in the week on Saturday, we're going to put out our Rams uh, recap as well since the past are on the short week. Doug, we've done a lot of talking about starting lineup action figures on this podcast over the last couple of weeks. I have yet to find my Doug Flutie Bills one, but I did come across my Drew Bledsoe vintage Patriots jersey one. So, I, I mean, I got something there. There here, you go. It's not, in, yet... it's, it's not in the package? No, no, I uh, – Look, I've opened them. I've played with them. This one's in great condition, but uh, I've opened them. I've played with okay. them. So I got a whole bunch. I got some guys there with no arms. I mean, I've beat some of these ones to hell. So um, before we get into the Patriots, Bills last night had their first win on Monday Night Football since 1999. You were quarterback in said last Monday night win. I had no idea that was the case. And uh, I think it, it's more of a factor the fact that Buffalo has not been relevant and playing many Monday night games, so they didn't have too many opportunities. But that's a, that was a cool little fun fact that came across, and all of a sudden I got a thousand text messages. And um, yeah, the, I tell you, I start thinking back to that, and I do remember throwing the fade route the molds for a touchdown, and I remember at the end of the game running a naked bootleg for the first down to run out the clock to be able to kneel down the rest of the game. Who was it against? At Miami. It was at Miami. Okay. And I'm trying, I'm fighting for the guy's name. He was a he was an all pro defensive back, number twenty seven. Sam Madison, Patrick Sertain. Sertain. Okay. Sertain. Thank you. <laughs> so um, there you go. My my knowledge of '90s, late '90s defensive backs is good. I got Ray Buchanan, Terrell Buckley, the whole crew. I can get them Buck- all to you. Was it Buckley? It was Buckley, twenty seven. Okay. A, he was a shorter That's Buckley. The- yeah, yeah. That's, That's Buckley. Buckley. 
Sertain was, was 23 and Sam Madison was 29. Yeah. Now, so. I remember Sam Madison because he was on the field when we did the drop kick, and he was yes. talking smack to our rookie wide receiver during the <laughs> whole thing. It just of course he was. Sam was a guy who could talk. He used to play for the Giants. He was on that Giants team to beat the Pats after the 07 season to end, or maybe it was the 11 one, one of the Giants Super Bowls he was on there. So I've had him on a couple of times on the radio to talk about that. Um, what was it like, by the way, playing for the Bills then? Because now we know the Bills as these lovable losers and everybody's kind of in on them. But when you played there, the Bills had been good throughout the entire period of the 90s. So what was it like playing for the Bills then? They had the Jim Kelly years, mm-hmm. and then there were a couple of down years where they hadn't made the playoffs, and they were in that losing funk. And when I came, we turned it back around and got to the playoffs again. But the fans were fanatical. The fans were amazing. Um, I always said they go on they go on vacation to the. There's nothing else going on in Buffalo, New York, okay, <laughs> except the Bills during that time of year, and they go on vacation to the parking lot as Wednesday night. You come out of practice on Wednesday, there are already RVs in the parking lot, camping out, waiting for the game on Sunday. And that's the way it was. There were, you know, it's the only place that I've ever had people at a traffic light jump out of their car and knock on my window. So <laughs> um, it was really, it was a cool experience. So much fun. They lived for the Bills. Uh, crazy, crazy fans. And uh, we were actually winning. So it was a lot of fun. You know, we talked a couple weeks ago about your Instagram account, and you said that you don't always tweet or post everything from your Instagram account. So I don't know that it was you posting on your Twitter account yesterday, but your Twitter account was posting about being the Bills quarterback in 99 on Monday Night Football. I felt like you were cheating on the Patriots a little bit, Doug, with your tweet (laughs) last night. But I shot a little text over and said, hey, shoot him a message for me, will you? (laughs) And um, the uh, now, you know what? It's weird because there's there's different time periods. Like I had my most success with Buffalo. Yeah. Yet I have this emotional attachment to New England my whole life. So it's kind of a it's a toss up. And then the San Diego people get mad at me because I went out there for four years. I actually spent more time in San Diego than I did Buffalo. So um, I don't know. It's weird. It's there's an emotional attachment to New England because I've been there my whole life. But uh, the years I did spend in Buffalo were really special because I. It was me coming back to the NFL, making a name for myself, getting to a Pro Bowl, going to play, all that stuff. So um, they, they were really good times. Well, you know, it's definitely hard. I can think of like a baseball player. They have to choose the cap that they're going to wear when they go into the Hall of Fame. If you had to do that in the NFL and you were in, I don't know which hat you'd be wearing in the I, Hall of Fame. Honestly, honestly, if it were for the NFL, because my best years were in Buffalo, it would have to be Buffalo. Because those mm-hmm. were the years I was starting, and I went to a Pro Bowl, and – and uh, we, are, we were a playoff team, all that kind of stuff. So let me ask you this. One more thing on the Bills. And this is my jaded, jealous Patriot supporter coming out of me. Today, the Bills are getting so much praise. They're 9-3. and three. Like, yeah, I'm already tired of hearing it, though. They have a rookie quarterback. They have a, or a rookie quarterback deal, I mean. So when your quarterback is on this rookie deal, you're supposed to be able to do this. This is not as impressive to me what they're doing as what New England did for 20 years. Well, yeah, that well for twenty years, of course, it's one season. Actually, it's two seasons. They played well last year, and they built into this season. They're a good football team. They are. They're, I, but they haven't done anything yet, you know, and and they haven't even clinched the division yet. I don't believe so. No, um, you know, they're a good football team. They looked very good last night. Uh, they're going to be tough to beat, and the Pats are going to get their opportunity. Um, to, to try to make the run. But what New England did over the last 20 years was special and probably will never be matched. Well, I think about it, you know, you're supposed to be able to do this when you have the quarterback on the rookie deal, right? The Rams did it with Jared Goff. They got to a Super Bowl. The Chiefs won a Super Bowl with Mahomes on his rookie deal. Uh, Buffalo's good now. Cleveland's good now with their quarterback on the rookie deal. Like, you're supposed to be able to do this. That's the golden ticket. Cheap. Yeah, but there's no guarantees. You know, there's been rookie failures all the time. There's been young guys that just don't pan out. There's there's injuries that come into play. You know, that's kind of, for my generation, when you're saying your rookie deal, I guess that could, you know, for Mahomes be a 10-year deal or something. (laughs) But, um yeah, that's saying to me, you got a young quarterback and Bill Belichick is going to take advantage of you. You know, like mm. 
you know, it, it, to me, that it, there's such an expectation right now for young guys to step in the league and do well right away. And it's pretty amazing that a lot of them do. Um, although because of the nature of the game and the spread offenses and the way Cam's playing now with zone read stuff and the quarterback run and all that, um, you don't have to learn the elaborate part of the passing game and the pass protections and everything else to go with it in order to be successful. So there's an opportunity for the young quarterbacks to have success. Well, we talk about a young quarterback who didn't have success, and that was Justin Herbert against the Patriots on Sunday. Pats win it 45 to nothing. Let's segue there. Doug, when I look at this game, it was a blowout, but I ultimately don't think I learned a whole lot new about New England. I knew Cam was limited as a thrower. He didn't need to throw. They didn't have to ask him to throw. I knew the team could run. They did. I, I just don't feel like I learned a lot. I'm happy they won. It's great that they won, but I don't know that I learned a lot. No, I agree. They, a lot of what we've seen all year took place. And uh, the run game, Cam running the football and running it into the, He did get a touchdown pass. Yes, he um, did. Uh, you know, he post up route, a little five-yard post up <laughs> route here to Harry. But um, I think what we did see were the big plays on special teams. And I don't know if that was great special teams by the Patriots or poor special teams by the Chargers. Um, it was just uh, really cool to see every aspect come into play. Because up until the end of the half now, think about it. Opening drive touchdown. Yep. Uh, special teams punt return touchdown. Yep. And then nothing, nothing the whole half and drove down. In fact, San Diego had missed two field goals or had two opportunities for field goals um, through the first half, drove down and it was hands to the face on a third down incompletion yes. that created a second touchdown just before the half. Then you fast forward to a block field goal attempt at the end and it's 21 nothing at halftime and they're off and rolling. But again, you know, we talk about the offense being what it is and being just so methodical that the margin of error is very, very slim. And it was really only a seven nothing game up until the end of the half. And then all of a sudden blew open to the 21 nothing special teams, two special teams touchdowns and offensively scored a few more and took over in the second half. I think it was 28 nothing at the half because Cam scored to make it 21 nothing. The block kick made it 28 nothing. That's right. But regardless, you're right. There was a Correct. period of was, stagnation there where they weren't doing a whole lot. I mean, it you're was right only one, off one offensive touchdown up until one minute to go in the half. I mean, yes. I mean, so the the Pats did. You know, they they played well. Um, I think actually, let me amend it. What I did learn is I just learned how great Belichick is, and I just start to think about it again. I mean, Justin Herbert had six games of 300 yards passing. That's the tie for the most ever by a rookie in NFL history, and he shut him down, and he took out. Eckler, who's great, and Keenan Allen, who's great. He shut down all these weapons that the Chargers had. I think I just learned, again, how great Belichick is. He takes away what you do well. They like going upfield with the ball. He, he backed off, played coverage, and the, 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 the surprise was the pressure. And I don't know if that's a factor of the poor offensive line play or, or some – there were a couple twists, a couple things of taking advantage of a young left tackle. Um, but it was good to see – the Patriots defense get pressure on a quarterback and get some sacks. Uh, but again, the coverage Gilmore was amazing on mm -hmm. Keenan Allen. I mean, just shutting down and um, taking, he takes away the throws that an offense likes. You know, if you like doing, I don't know, the, the outside individual routes, he's going to find a way to roll the coverage on that receiver or, or bracket a, a slot receiver. That is a third down go-to guy. And he makes you try to win doing the things that you're not used to doing. When you played for Belichick at the end of your career, did you have a sense like, okay, yeah, we're more prepared than everybody we play against? Um, I couldn't tell that overall. I just knew from an offensive standpoint how prepared we were. And I always thought of it as a factor of Josh and uh, Tom Brady working together so long, so much. They knew each other like the back of their hand. They knew what Tommy wanted to run in situations. Uh, they game planned together so many times that the game plan was fluid. And we put a lot of new stuff in every week. I will say this about New England. They can change an entire game plan, offense and defense, for an opponent. And they do it. And Bill will not play with, with dumb football players. He needs guys that are going to be willing to study and learn new material every week. You know, it, it can completely change. The, the 
the one thing that I always said about Bill was he had a knack. Bill Belichick had a knack coming in the first day of the work week, which would be Wednesday morning, and giving an overview of your opponent. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times as a quarterback, you get so into the X and O's, it's like not being able to see the forest for the trees. You never step back and take that big view of the whole thing. You dive right in and it's like, this is the route and this is the read. And not always the why comes into play. With Bill, he'd start that Wednesday morning with big picture stuff. Mm. Hey, the left side of their offensive line is horrible. We got to take advantage of this. Their defensive end or defensive tackle, we should be blowing this. We need to approach it this way Mm. and give you a general picture that a lot of coaches never did that. You always, you know, they game planned on Monday or Tuesday. You get your game plan and you go in on Wednesday and you just start Xing and Owing instead of realizing, stepping back and saying, we're actually trying to take advantage of this. And it just kind of made sense to it and brought it together for you when you start in on the game plan. What about his ability to adapt? You kind of hinted at that. He gets credit for being able to adapt in-game after halftime all the time. But this season has caused so much of adaptation. You're adjusting from Brady to Cam. You're adjusting. You had eight players opt out, some of which opted out late. Uh, you've got your team had a coronavirus outbreak in quotes, but you lose your starting quarterback and then Gilmore gets it and you're not practicing for two weeks. I mean, there's a lot of adaptation needed. And he's just kind of run with it and it, it hasn't been that big of an issue to him. He just, well, think about some of the Super Bowls. He played with guys off the street going into the playoffs, yep. you know, taking Troy Brown and throwing him on defense and telling him to play nickel and covering a guy in the slot. And, you, you know, whatever needed. He took guys that were other teams' castaways and pulled them in, and they started in the playoffs. Um, yeah. You know, so it's a lot of its scheme, teaching ability, all that. I mean, the, the the offense amazes me that it is so unique and is amazing to me is to take Cam Newton, throw for less than 100 yards a game, become a team that rushes the ball, I guess, more yards per game than they have since 83 in New England. Mm. And – Turn into a running football team with a running quarterback, a ball control offense, grind it out. And it took them a little while, but they've turned the corner. They're back to six to six, six and six. And, you know, things would have to come together for him, but still in the playoff hunt. I think the other thing he deserves a lot of credit for is the intangible. He just has learned the tenor of this team, right? Like some teams need to be pushed in a certain way and other teams need to be coddled. And he's been a little bit more nurturing with this team. He's given Cam a lot of praise, even as Cam has struggled. He's reinforced Cam rather than break him down. And we think of him as this gruff old school guy, but he has really, um, I think, given this younger or more inexperienced team the confidence that they needed to get to this point. I, that's a that's a great take, and that's a, a read on your players. You know, a lot of times if you have a veteran group, um, you leave guys alone and work with the young guys. Uh, if you've got guys that can take the criticism, you, you light them up and do that. Some some guys need to pat on the back and wrap your arm around them and help them. I, he he analyzes the situation and, and approaches it. Um, you know, it's 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 really an impressive year. Because early on, I, we got excited. That for, for week one really looked encouraging. But overall, yeah. they, I don't know what the low point was for a record. Was it at one and five? Two, or two, two and five. Two and five. Um, to, to get back to six and six and adjust on the fly, uh, we talk about in-game adjustments. I, I, I always felt like Bill would hold things out in the first half because he knew – he could run them in the second half after the teams had a look or, or same principle defensively, save certain blitzes for certain situations. So he's always thought ahead of the game. He's always one step ahead. And uh, it's it's been maybe his most impressive coaching season. You know, one of the things – there's been a lot of praise about Belichick in the last, you know, two days or so. Um, one of the things that stood out to me most is what I heard Trent Dilfer say. Aaron, let's get the cut on that. Trent Dilfer, former NFL quarterback – long time in the league. He was on the herd with Colin Cowherd on Fox Sports Radio, and he was saying this about Belichick, Aaron. Uh, and, and I look at a few things. Their ability to create an identity now offensively with Cam Newton as their quarterback, to not panic when it wasn't pretty. Uh, there were some really other games there with Cam as the quarterback, uh, with Stidham as the quarterback. It, it, it just didn't look right, but they've stuck to their plan to be a physical downhill run team. 
So what he's saying is that he likes that Belichick was willing to stick with the running nature and stick with this identity even when it wasn't working. And I think we always give coaches credit for the ability to adapt. But what about sometimes just knowing when to stay the course? I don't think that's something that we ever give coaches credit for of not – he never pulled Cam. He didn't try to change the offense. He didn't try to change out the personnel. He just stuck with it, and now he's being rewarded for it. Yeah, I think the one thing he had to impress upon Cam was protecting the football. Look, I'm not asking you to go out and win the game with your arm. Protect the football. We're good enough on defense. We can run the football. This is who we are. And they became that. He, like you said, the patience to stay with that. I think Cam realizes it too. Cam actually week by week as a mature quarterback, I thought he would run the ball less and less as the year went. I think mm-hmm. he's running the ball harder now than he did early in the year. I think, he, I mean, he's the quarterback sneak was, you know how the quarterbacks go up and over and reach yeah. for the ball? He was like four feet above everybody <laughs> when he was reached. Usually I hate that with the reach of the ball because somebody's going to knock it out and it's going to be whether it crossed the line or not. Cam was so far above everybody, there was no way anybody could reach the football. It was like a, a man playing with boys there. And the second one was just a power run. He just ran through people. Yeah, he got stood up about the two, and then they were standing stationary, and all of a sudden the pile kept moving again. (laughs) Um, It's really really cool to see that you can win in so many ways. I think that's that's what's – you know, when I think back to my career, I got frustrated that uh, I had to try to win from the pocket. I was under center, and this is what we're going to do. And and then these spread offenses came out, and the kids are running – zone reads and running all over the field and scrambling around. And now guys are winning in different ways. And this is almost throwback football. This is throw the ball for under a hundred yards. Your quarterback's a runner as well. It's still part of that new quarterback run game, but it's old school smash mouth, old time hockey. Yeah. I mean, and Cam, um, I, I, I don't know what he's worth ultimately money-wise with the way that he plays, but I know he's worth a lot to the Patriots in terms of the intangibles, in terms of how he has brought this team together. These guys love him. You saw him celebrating in the end zone with Harry, who finally got something off his back and scored. You saw him celebrating with Stidham, the guy who came in and replaced him to throw a touchdown. Like I mean, Cam is just a good guy and a good teammate. I don't know what that translates to dollar-wise, but I know I like him. Yeah, I never I never knew Cam. I met him like once back in the college days. And, um, you know, you, you see the persona. All I saw was the flamboyant gear and, you know, the interviews with the hat and the feather and uh, whatever outfits he was wearing. So uh, to see the reaction of players, how that's that says it all. The way players respond to him, um, they look to him. I mean, even the games that were lost. In that fourth quarter, he was taking it on himself in those drives and trying to run for first downs. He had the one fumble, but he always was putting them in a position to try to win the game. And uh, I, I just, and I've said this from day one: his effort on the field really translates. It, it, it like you know he's given it everything he has, and everybody responds to that and they react and and play their hearts out for him. Patriots 45, Chargers nothing. Pats now six and six. Aaron, give me the first impression sounder, but I'm gonna I usually have like five first impressions. I'm only gonna go with one today. Give me the first impression sounder. First impression. All right. So Doug, I, I want to ask you a little bit more about Belichick because it was another great job about the special teams, but or by special teams, as we said, block kick for a touchdown gunners. Uh, at 50 yards worth um, or 50 yards per average on the punt return and a touchdown. Chargers were the worst in the league in the NFL in covering punts. The Pats come in and exploit it. How does Belichick know your weakness and find a way to exploit it? Well, I think number one is, like I was saying before, stepping back and seeing the big picture first, understanding that's the weakness. The weakness, you know, like I said, it's their offensive line on the, the left tackle. It's the defensive, no, the nose guard or the corner on the weak side is terrible. We're taking advantage of that. Well, this week, special teams, they cannot cover a punt. Let's find a way to take advantage of that, and then you attack it. Then he, then he probably watched, not, not necessarily just him, but special teams go every punt return all season long of where are they weak? Why are they weak there? And you saw, I mean, on the the one that was returned for a touchdown, 
Uh, Slater had a great block. Jeez, uh, Bethel was out there. Bethel, very... you could see there were there were blocks lined up. It was never like he was gone eighty yards for a touchdown. There were blocks all the way down, all the way to the five yard line, and getting into the end zone. It was it was a great team effort. Like everyone was throwing a block. Um, so. Obviously, they, it's the time put into something that you know there's going to be returns on it, and it's worthwhile putting that time in, and he's going to do it. So I think a, the, the number one part of that is stepping back and saying, hey, where do we have our oh, punt returns going to be a big advantage this week? Let's find a way to make sure. There are teams that are bad at things all year long, and they can never fix them. We know that they're bad at them. The stats say they're bad at them. Teams can never fix them. Belichick can fix things week to week, it sounds like. You mentioned Cam and ball security. He's got two interceptions since week six. Week six, the game, they're blown out against San Francisco when he gets benched. He's got two picks since then, and the only game, they were both against Arizona last week. So he's been relatively clean with the football here for more than a month. How can other teams not fix things for an entire season, and Belichick can fix it in a week? I, you know... Threats? I don't know. <laughs> you know, hey, I, it's so funny. He'd come into a meeting like that Wednesday morning meeting where I say it's a big picture meeting, and throw up a clip of the opposing quarterback. This is the last time we played these guys. Look, he's trying to give us the ball. Just catch it. You know, the, you know he understands that. Okay, this is this is what needs to be addressed, and. He addressed it with Cam, I'm sure. Brought, probably brought him into his office, talked to him, sat him down, said, hey, we're a running football team. We're, we're ball control. We're not going to be explosive. Don't lose the game for me. Just do your thing. Give him the ball. We're going to run the football with you. Don't lay it on the ground either. That's going to call and, – and, you know, he finds a way to get his message home because he will – I mean, he, he'll be willing to bench you. And I've seen him call Tom Brady out in the meeting. You know, I've seen when Tom – you know, made a mistake or whatever it was. I don't even remember specifics, but you know, he's not afraid to speak. You know, a lot of coaches walk on eggshells around their star players mm. and they got, they, they don't want to, you know, they got to coddle them and be careful. But Bill, Bill speaks his mind when the situation calls for it. Doesn't that though, we've talked about this. Isn't it a fine line? You're right. Cam's a game manager. Don't lose us the game. But they do leave some pass plays on the field, and Cam is a little gun shy. I mean, he certainly doesn't want to make the mistake. I mean, that's a fine balance there. I think he threw two balls. I, I don't know. I just rewatched the game today, and uh, I think he threw two balls up the field over 15 yards. One was a crosser that he underthrew but was caught. Yeah. And the other was a go route that should have been a walk-in touchdown but was underthrown and ends up incomplete. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just – it's like there's this element that could be there that's missing. And then Stidham comes in and goes little pump fake play, bam, up the seam. It's like, whoa, that's a real throw. That's a seam route on the money, on time. But we saw how ugly it can get with the other guy at quarterback. So um, they found a way to move the football with Cam. He's doing everything he can to help him win. He's controlling the ball and doing these things. There is an element that's missing. There's no doubt. And that's why they're six and six instead of ten and four or better, um, because there's there is that element that's missing. But they're finding a way to get around that. I actually loved Stidham's throw. I mean, it was so simple, and I get it. Right, you're up thirty-eight to nothing. The other teams packed it in, so it's not difficult per se. But they did kind of. It was a fake. It was like a play action screen. He faked the screen to the left, kind of just gave you a little shoulder movement, and then hit the slant. Coming across the middle, yeah. that little that little shoulder shimmy. I think you know that. Look, it was a yeah. small pump fake, but it worked. It was a it was just a small pump fake, but he reset quickly, and the throw was effortless. You know, it was like a, a about a 15, 18, 15 yard seam route coming up through there, and you know, I just say it about Cam, like when he tried to throw the go route, uh, he got pressure and avoided the pressure so he could get himself steadied and step into the throw and lay it out there deep and still underthrew it. Now, whether he underthrew it because it took a little longer and now the guy's upfield or he underthrew it because he just couldn't get it there, I'm not sure. But again, he's not going to throw a deep ball unless his feet are like his whole body's into the throw. And it was just fun to finally see a natural throw come off a guy's wrist and just zing it in there on the seam route. Now, that being said, 
in that situation, when you're blowing a team out, the backup quarterback goes in relaxed, nothing to lose, having fun. There's no pressure and you're relaxed and throw. You've got to be able to play that way when you're the starter as well. And there's no doubt in my mind, Stidham is a better thrower of the football than Cam, but the leadership, the respect level oh. he gets from guys, the run game. I don't think this team is better with Stidham. Oh, no, 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 no. I, I wasn't saying that at all. But it does show you the one element that you wish was there with Cam. But, you know, like I said, Cam's – they move the football up and down the field. Um, he's probably rushed for more first downs than anyone on the team. And, you know, touch uh, – how many touchdowns? He's got 10, 11, 11 touchdowns, 11. 11 rushing touchdowns. I mean – Come on, he's doing more than his part. He's he's found a way to move the football. He's he's playing gutsy. He's playing tough. He's giving it everything he has, and you live with that. And the guys on the team love it, love him for it. So you just you know you go for it. Um, you know the, that that one little glimpse though shows you what it, it's a shame that other aspects not there. How much of why we love Cam? is about money. I don't know that you think about it this way, but I think that fans do. We look at it and say, hey, here's a guy who is a former MVP who has made a ton of money, who's willing to play for a million dollars. So fans like the idea of the athlete who's been humble. Willing, and- willing to play for a million dollars. Okay, it's all relative. Go ahead. <laughs> so fans like that, and fans also look at it and say, hey, his productivity it eh, could be better. It's only a million bucks, though. If he was making $20 million, I don't know that fans would be as high on him as they are. Uh, I, it just gives you a reason to criticize when guys making big money and the numbers aren't there and you're not performing. Um, I think it was a humbling offseason for Cam, having to take a smaller contract to play. Having someone tell you they don't want you anymore is great motivation. Hmm. And he was just chomping at the bit and waiting for the opportunity to prove Carolina wrong and get back out on the field. And that is all part, you know, it's not about money to Cam right now. It's about trying to win. It's about maybe proving something to himself after leaving Carolina. But there comes a point in your career where you're about championships and performing and the money's not that big a factor. I mean, obviously you want it to be worthwhile and play and all that, but he's put enough money away, I'm sure already. And and just wants that opportunity to be the starter and have the reins and go. Aaron, let's get the who's saying what sounder here. I wasn't going to do it, but I got something I want to throw at Doug here because I think Doug's going to have some pretty strong opinions on this. So, Aaron, let me hear it. Sometimes people say stupid things. I said, how do I want Patriot games to go? For Cam to play great and they to lose in heartbreak. Check and check. Everything came up, Nick, right this weekend. Sometimes people say smart things, but it works. I thought Cam was accurate. I thought he made really good decisions. They played to his strengths. Locally, regionally, nationally. Here's what they're saying about your New England Patriots. All right, Doug, I tried really hard to find the audio of this. I couldn't, so I'll just have to tell you. CBS broadcast, you probably heard it. I don't know if it registered with you. It's 38-0. Stidham comes in, throws two passes. And Trent Green, the broadcaster for CBS, says, I think the Chargers will be upset that they're throwing the football. So it's a classic case of, are they running up the score? And you're an old school guy. I'm going to guess you had no problem with the Pats throwing in that situation. Not at all. I mean, you you run the ball a little bit. You keep the clock moving as much as possible. But you want your backup quarterback to get throws. You want your backup quarterback to be over the line of scrimmage going through the process of check with me in and out of a play. Uh, you know, usually it's an AB play an alert of getting one play to another. Um, so you want him to deal with all that because he may be the guy next week. You know what? He's one play away from being the guy. You need him to get reps. You need guys to catch the ball from him. You need to do all that. And Bill's patented line is if you don't like it, stop it. You know, I do understand that if I were a Chargers player, I would be mad getting thrown on. I would be upset. Hey, I just want the game to be over with. Like, I, I'd probably be offended. But if from the Patriots standpoint, if they left Cam in, I would say, okay, if you're going to leave your starters in, oh, then fine. Let's just run the ball and let's just get out of here. But if you're going to bring in Stidham, if you're going to bring in the backup, I'm not bringing in the backup to hand the ball off nine times and take three, three and outs. You're, you've been a backup quarterback. Right. If you get in the game, you want to play. If they were going to leave Cam in, I'd say, fine, run the football and punt a bunch of times. But if you're going to bring in Stidham, then let him play. 
I agree 100%. And that's what would have happened. If Cam stayed in the game, it would be run, 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 punt it away, let the clock, maybe go for it on fourth down, run it up in there and uh, turn the ball over. Um, when your backup's in there, he, how many times has he gotten the opportunity to throw the ball this year? Get him out there, get him some snaps. He may be your playoff quarterback. They might win the next four in a row and Cam get hurt on a kneel down on the last play of the regular season, and he's got to go into the playoffs. So uh, you just you need to get reps, and you need game reps, and that's just the way. It's professional football. Grow up. Don't. If I'm a defensive back, I want him to throw it because it's one more opportunity for me to pick a pass off. Well, and look, they did everything they could to, quote, be nice. They took Cam out. They took Harris out. They took – the starting receivers out, like that pass was Stidham to Olszewski. Like it wasn't like they were out there just, you know, it wasn't like it's uh, Mahomes to Tyreek Hill. They did everything they needed to do to quote, be nice. And if the backups are going to play, let them play. Yeah. Are you going to tell Jordan or Kobe Bryant to miss the last shot with 20 seconds left? If they're going to take <laughs> one more three. They're going to try to make the shot, right? They're not just going to say, oh, 24 second clock ran out. Here's a ball back. No, you're I playing mean, football. It's professional sports. These guys are playing. Uh, you put the backups in. They want to play hard. They want an opportunity to catch a ball. They want an opportunity to throw a ball. Well, it's the worst. You know, I you know think about it in high school because I played high school. You played high school. Our listeners probably played high school sports in a lot of cases. As someone who sat the bench in a high school basketball game, like, there's no worse feeling than, hey, you finally get to get in the game, and then the coach tells you, well, you can't do this, or you can't six yeah. passes until you get a shot off. Like, no, if I'm going to play, let me actually play the damn game. Yeah, when, you, when the guys on the bench get in that game, they want to launch, and everybody wants to see them shoot the ball, and everybody wants to see that guy get a basket. That's just the way it is. If you don't like it on the other side, do something about it. Stop them. Yeah, Aaron, our producer, says he's used to only seeing backups ever in for victory formation and, and you know, last play of the game. Stuff. He says, that's what feels pointless to me. He's you know glad what, that's what, what bothers me, and the reason you see that all the time it's because to coaches don't want to put their back up in, even in a blowout, because they're going to have to answer questions. Why was he in there? Who's going to come? Is is something? Is he hurt? Is your no? Look, the game was over. I put. You have to explain. Like there were games where New England was losing badly, and Brady got pulled in the fourth quarter, and they're like, "Did you pull Tom? Who's starting next week? Is Garoppolo going to start next?" Shut up. You know, <laughs> I, I don't want to hear that. It's just. So sometimes that's why the coaches would leave a starter in all the way to the end. What about leaving Brady in too long? There were situations where I thought Brady never would leave the game. I'm like, you're up 28 to three with four minutes left. Why is Brady still in the game? Is that a Tom thing or is that a Bill doesn't want to bring in the backup thing? Number one, Bill doesn't trust the backup. Hmm. And number two, Tom doesn't want to come out. So it's a combination <laughs> of the two, no doubt about it. I, I remember the year after I left the Patriots or I had retired, and I actually went to a Bruce Springsteen concert with Bill. And I, I think, I don't know, didn't have we talked about that before? We did briefly, it, right? yeah. And I remember Bill telling me, he's like, Doug, we, I mean, Tom can take a snap, but we can't take a snap. We, we can't line up. We can't do this. He doesn't trust anyone that's not his guy, you know. Wow. The backup, in his mind, the backup, yeah, no, the starter's playing because the backup could go in there and fumble the snap and the game get turned around in a heartbeat. All right, now I want to get to our interview. It's the Believe in Patriots podcast. I want to bring on the guy from the Believe in L.A. football podcast. It's Frosty Rucker, 13-year NFL defensive lineman, Ryan Dyrud. They've got the perspective on the win over the Chargers, and we're going to ask them about their perspective on the upcoming Thursday night game against the Rams. Welcome back. It's the Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Still giddy over the Patriots. 45 nothing win over the Chargers. I really didn't think the Patriots had it in them to win by more than about 10 in any game this season. Helping us break it down are the guys from the Believe in L.A. football podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. It's Ryan Dyrud and Frosty Rucker, who spent more than a decade in the NFL as a defensive lineman. I asked how you guys were, but I presume the complete opposite of me, which is great. No, I'm actually back east, so I'm kind of cold, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, Ryan, let me start with this. I'll start with you on this first question. Um, the Patriots made Justin Herbert look really bad yesterday. Have you seen him look that confused in his run here as a starter? No, I mean, we haven't. We saw a little bit the week prior against Buffalo. He kind of had his his biggest uh, struggles, I think, as a starter where we started seeing, okay, there's some of the rookie mistakes, but still made some big plays and still looked at least comfortable. 
Um, but we knew coming into this game that Bill Belichick's the best in the business at taking away your your best asset, and he was able to shut down Keenan Allen for the most part, which has been, uh, you know, Justin's safety blanket and and what he's used to get out of tough situations and and threw everything at Justin, and he just he really did look uncomfortable, um, looked like a rookie. Um, you know, it, part of that could have been maybe what not as well prepared by the coaching staff as he would have liked to have been or we would have liked to have been, but um, you know. He's a rookie quarterback. He's going to have games like this going against the best in the business and in the Patriots and Belichick. So now it's about how he bounces back the next week and the next game. But certainly to answer your question, it was by far the worst performance we've seen. And by far the first time we've really said, oh, yeah, there was the rookie quarterback. We were waiting to come out and it just hadn't every week. And it finally did. Frosty is a defensive player. You spent no more than a decade on the defensive line among four teams. How do you come up with a game plan that confuses a young quarterback? Well, you have to send a lot of people at him. And uh, the one thing that, happened I feel like yesterday is that they tried they, they did that and they accomplished it and he didn't get a chance to really run and use that uh, how athletic he is usually he's out of the pocket he's running down the field and that's what makes it 50 50 it's not been so much on the run game for uh, the Chargers it's been uh, him having the ability to make a play and the Patriots did an awesome job obviously like Ryan uh, said a second ago Bill Belichick's the best in the business and he's making uh He's just making it happen for that team, and uh, hats off. I think everyone's not scratching their head anymore about uh, why that team's so successful, and I think it is the man in charge. Ryan, um, I wouldn't say the Patriots are some world-beating team. I don't think they're a bad team, but they're not a great team. Is the coaching gap that great between Anthony Lynn's staff and Bill Belichick's staff? I mean, Anthony Lynn's going to get fired, I presume, but are they always this unprepared, it looks like? Well, I think yesterday was the the peak and the the absolute worst we've seen. I think we've seen some good things from Lynn Frosty and I. If you listen to our show, I've probably been the biggest apologist for Lynn just because he's such a great guy. He has huge integrity. Um, his players seem to show up for him every week and play. But that couldn't be said for yesterday. So I don't know if that was just a loss in the locker room, if it was a complete lack of preparation or what they did during the week. I really don't know what to put my finger on it because we haven't seen it that bad. Yes, they've blown a lot of leads. Yes, they've lost close games, but they've always been competitive at least. And yesterday was just a complete downfall from all that, obviously from the get-go. And then we saw special teams, which has been a problem basically since he's been here. Um, So I would say there's certainly a gap. I mean, there's a gap probably with Belichick of – 30 other NFL, maybe 25 other NFL coaches. There's a pretty dramatic gap. Um, but I don't think it's quite as big as yesterday alluded to um, overall in, in terms of just overall coaching. But yesterday certainly highlighted the deficiencies that the Chargers have shown throughout the season. And it just came all tumbling down on full scale. And uh, it was a complete just disarray from from top to bottom, from ownership to, to the players. So it was a, a loss in all fronts. Ryan, I'll, I'll stick with you on this one. If the job does become open, Josh McDaniels, Patriots offensive coordinator, his name gets thrown around all the time for head coaching jobs. Is this an attractive job in Los Angeles? Bray, let me say this, and I want to be as, as respectful as possible because I know Josh McDaniels has done great things for the Patriots. I don't think that'd be a good fit for the Chargers. I don't personally Why? want McDaniels here. I, don't, I think just what – the offense he's done um, with Brady and obviously they've switched things up a little bit with Cam. You can know a lot more than me and speak more on it. I just don't think that suits Herbert and what they want to do. Um, I see. And again, people can change, but I saw what he did with the the Broncos organization when he was a head coach there and kind of what he did to that uh, organization from top to bottom. And I, I, I don't know if he would come in and be the right guy to be the face of the Chargers franchise. Certainly could, certainly could change. Um, but that's just not what I think and what I think the direction the organization needs to go. To answer your question, though, I think it's certainly a, a, a good job for any coach out there when you have the keys to a Justin Herbert, who's arguably, or not really arguably, he's probably going to be the rookie of the year. You have some really solid playmakers on defense and on offense, and really all you have to do is solidify the offensive line, add a few guys to the defensive front, and then you have a, a playoff contending team on you. So I, am, I think it's certainly um, a good-looking job. I just don't know if McDaniels is the right fit personally. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, WDEVradio.com, breaking down the Patriots win over the Chargers, doing it with the crew from the Believe in L.A. football podcast, Frosty Rucker, 10-year-plus defensive uh, lineman in the NFL, and Ryan Dyroot as well. Frosty, I'll come to you here. Um, you played against Belichick coach teams a couple of times in your career. Can you feel that it's different going against a Belichick team? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, coach Belichick does a, a great job with his staff and players and getting everyone dialed in for each week. It, it seems like um, the way his coaching staff 
uh, goes about business. It's the down and distance. It's every little uh, part of the game they try to maximize and get the best out of. Um, it's the attention of detail. Uh, I've been on a number of clubs that I felt like it's not as disciplined. Uh, and that's the thing they run. They run a very disciplined club, and that gives us success. It may not look at this year. They don't have the best team out there that they're feeling that they've had in the past, but they're competitive, and they just blew the, the, the socks off a, a, <laughs> another ball club. You know what I mean? With Cam not d- being the, the best quarterback he's ever been, and you know they're turning, uh, how, I don't want to say the wrong word, but um, a poop into a diamond, yeah. right? <laughs> and and they, they do a good job at that, you know? Yeah, Frosty, let me ask you this, too. The Patriots seemed to out-tough the Chargers yesterday, right? Won a lot of battles in the trenches. They were good on defense versus the Chargers offense, and they ran the ball a lot um, yesterday and ran it effectively. When you are winning a battle in the trenches, what does that do to your team in terms of confidence, momentum, et cetera? I mean, it takes their will away. I mean, that's the the, the multiple uh, – the ultimate thing is, you know, when you kill guys up front, I, I'm a – defense alignment by trade and I know when you know we're getting behind the line of scrimmage and getting tackles or the offensive line uh, is getting pushed back and you can't really stop them and uh, it it, it kind of takes your whole spirit away um, because now they, they really got the 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 game in arm's length they can they can run the ball they can pass the ball but just lining up and running the ball and pad on pad and stuff like that that'll, that'll, that'll take all your energy away and um Uh, you'll be waiting for the clock to run down. Frosty, I'll ask you one more question here as well. Um, Cam Newton, you mentioned earlier, not a great throw over the football right now, right? But he does do a lot of things well from a leadership standpoint, running the football. If you were playing against Cam, how would you view him right now? Try to make him beat you throwing the ball. You gotta, you gotta stack the box. Uh, Don't let him run his powers and zone reads and whatnot. He's not being as a, a, as good as he was in the past, uh, I was a big uh, uh, cheerleader for Cam going to the Patriots when you know he was the only one sitting around and they didn't have really a starting guy. I was you know on the sideline here like go for Cam, go for Cam. I'm waiting to see this comeback season. I'm waiting to see how healthy he is, how how much work he put in, and you know since he's been injured and sat out a whole year basically on the sideline. Um, but he hasn't showed up, so I would try to make Cam beat me with his arm. Brady Farkas show on WDEV, AM and FM, WDEVradio.com. Frosty Rucker, former NFL defensive lineman, Ryan Dyroot. Together, they're the tandem of the Believe in L.A. football podcast. And for the Patriots, it's a short week now. They're going to stay in L.A. They're going to play the Rams on Thursday. Ryan, your initial uh, gut on that matchup in a couple of days is what? Initially, it worries me, and it's because we obviously know what happened in the Super Bowl. Um, Bill Belichick was able to completely shut down this Rams offense, and then we saw it just a few weeks ago when the Rams played the Dolphins, and Brian Flores, who's obviously a Belichick disciple and runs that defense very similarly, and they absolutely dominated the Rams offense. Um, what I like more about this game, this matchup this time around, is the Rams defense is much more formidable. Uh, they're you know a top three unit in every category in the league. I think they'll do a great job in like Frosty alluded to in shutting down Cam in the run game and forcing him to beat him through the air, which is not going to be easy either when you have guys like Jalen Ramsey yeah. and and Troy Hill and all those guys on the back end. So, so I love what this defense can do against this this Patriots, we'll say depleted offense. I know you guys' receiving core is is not one on the stat sheet that maybe looks that appealing, but they get the job done. And we saw uh, Gunner, what was his name? Gunner Gunner Olszewski. Yeah, Yeah. go off yesterday. So they have guys making plays, and that's kind of the the Belichick way is, you know, next man up. But, but yeah, Brady, I I think this this matchup definitely – worries me just because of the history of what Belichick and his disciples have done to McVay and McVay's offense. Um, So to me, it's going to be really interesting to see how McVay kind of puts that behind him, puts that moniker of not being able to beat those teams behind him, those defenses behind him um, and see what they can do and dial up. And then obviously it falls on Jared Goff and not turning the ball over. And if they can not turn the ball over, play a clean game and they can establish the run game like the offense needs to do. And I, we talk about it on our show all the time. It's the most important thing is establishing the run in a McVay offense. I think they'll be okay, but it should be a good one. Um, and it's always tough on a short week, but it'll be a fun matchup seeing these two coaches uh, go at it again. Frosty, we've seen a lot of innovative offenses this year the Patriots have played against because they're playing the NFC West. They beat the Cardinals' innovative offense. They got smoked by the 49ers' innovative offense. (laughs) When you play against a team with a lot of bells and whistles like the Rams do, what's the key for a defensive player? Eyes on your keys, man. Uh, Eyes on the keys and be very dialed into the game plan. Uh, I think when you're talking about the teams they already beat, 
uh, like saying the Cardinals, the Cardinals are relying on a, uh, a injured quarterback, right? Yeah. Uh, he, he Kyler wasn't up to full speed. We know that coming on the short week itself, right? Yeah. Um, so the, the thing about it, the, the, you got to make these quarterbacks one dimensional and that's two make them throw the ball. And like Ryan was just saying, if golf can get the ball off and get the ball down the field, it makes it better. I think the Rams have a great chance in this game just because what we have seen over the course of this season is the Patriots can be beat. And um, uh, the Rams also have dog work up front with uh, their defensive front. And if they can get in the backfield and um, stop Cam on his runs and make them throw the ball, I don't see how the Patriots can squeeze one out of there. Ryan, I'll get you out of here on this. Who's the player that, I don't know if under the radar is right, but who's the guy that fans should be focusing on? We know Ramsey. We know Goff. Beyond those two, who should we get to know? Yeah, well, there's a couple, but I'll start with on offense. I think the running back, Cam Akers, has yeah. little by little each week really starting to take over that backfield. Um, fans were extremely excited when he was drafted out of Florida State in the second round and kind of the heir apparent to take over the Todd Gurley throne. And, uh, Sean McVay all year said, nope, this is a running back by committee, and he's pretty much stuck to it. They split the carries pretty evenly, but little by little, Cam starting to take over more of the load, had a big run yesterday, had a, his third touchdown in as many games yesterday. Um, so I think Cam Akers is the guy that, that you want to see and you really want to implement the run game with him because he can do it through the air and on the ground. Um, real shifty. He's great in space. Um, so he's a really fun guy to watch. And then on defense, I'll just throw out, I, I'm sure you guys are starting to learn his name, but Darius Williams has been a revelation on the secondary. I know everyone talks about Jalen Ramsey, who's been probably the best in the game, but Darius Williams is right up there with him. If you look at just straight statistics, he's a top 10 corner in the game right now, which is crazy considering how they have on the other end there. So um, he's been amazing shutting down the secondary guys uh, when Ramsey takes the number one. And uh, he's played very well, and 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 I know McVay's loved him since he got here, and, and Brandon Staley's been able to utilize his skill set perfectly in this new scheme. So so those are the two kind of underknown guys that I would definitely highlight uh, for opposing teams. Yeah, and that guy Donald's still pretty good, too. <laughs> so we won't forget about him. Yeah, but. Donald, <laughs> Leonard Floyd, Brockers, I think they got it up front, too. So yeah. yeah. The Rams are very good, and this one uh, certainly scares me as well. So it's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Patriots over the Chargers, though, 45 nothing. Pat's still on the fringes of the playoff race at 6-6 six and six in the AFC. Breaking it down uh, in full here with the guys from the Believe in L.A. football podcast. Frosty Rucker, 13-year NFL veteran among four different teams. Ryan Dyrud as well. Guys, we appreciate it, and uh, best of luck on a short turnaround for the Rams and you guys on, uh, on Thursday. Thanks so much. Thanks, Brady. Appreciate it. Take care. All right. I want to thank Frosty Rucker and Ryan Dyer from the Believe in LA Football Podcast. A lot of great perspective there. Um, Doug, as we kind of got, I got a couple other things I kind of want to get to here. And I know we've been going for a while, so I'll try to make them quickly. Um, Aaron, let's get to this made me want to drink. The weekend is over. I thought it was time to stop drinking. I'm kind of beat. Yeah. Thank God I'm exhausted. But this makes me want to drink. I just can't. I need a drink. Give me a drink. All right. The thing that made me want to drink here, we're taping this on Tuesday night. I'm 31 years old. This is going to make me sound like I'm about 61. I, I, I'm surprised I feel this way, but I do. Gunnar Olszewski's comments after the game on Sunday. Aaron, do we have these? Gunner talking about his punt return for a touchdown. Let me hear this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was tough last week, but all the guys, you know, they're saying, yeah, no, that one counts as the first one. They don't count in the stat sheet, but to me and our guys, we've returned two punts for touchdown this year. It, it ain't our fault the first one got called back. The game's getting solved. All right. So Gunner says he's really returned two kicks for a touchdown. The game's getting soft. I'm sorry. Look, man, you're a second-year player. You've got two career touchdowns. You're on a 6-6 six and six team. Why is Gunnar Olszewski the one throwing shade at the NFL? That's I, come on. <laughs> I, well, I agree with him that the game's getting soft in certain I, Some of the calls on quarterbacks, like if you're on the ground, can you, well, okay, we'll stay, we'll stay on topics. Um, I just – I agree with him that that call was ridiculous, never should have been called, and it should have counted. But it's not up to you to say let, – let your teammates say that about you and say, hey, last week's counted. Last week should have counted. The game's getting – so don't – I never was big on saying it for myself. Hopefully the other guys on the team, if they feel the same way, will say it for you. Um, 
but he's done a great job with the kick returns. They got the, the two of them, the one called back, and then again this week, another long one um, after the touch, and they had two nice returns this week. I think also he's got to recognize like those quote softer rules have allowed him a place in the league. He's an under six foot receiver. Like it's a passing game. The league has been made safer and more advantageous to passing. So he can play there. If, if the game was as physical as it was when you played in the eighties and again in the nineties, he'd need to be six, three, like Herman Moore was, he wouldn't have been able to play in the NFL. So he should be thankful that the league is quote soft. Well, yeah, as a receiver, I'd like the new rules, no doubt about it. Those guys go up over – I think the balls that are thrown now down the middle of the field, up the seams, but, you know, it's a third and long situation, so I'm just going to throw that seam route and let my big guy go up and try to make a play on it because they can't light them up. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the, the little guy routes are usually the option routes and little quick change direction stuff and all that. But um, I think that's where it just amazes me that that receivers yeah the ability for receivers for for players in general to stay healthy now is a lot better it's there is an art there's definitely an art to playing hard and staying healthy and finding a way to do it and it's getting a little i mean, you still see some bad bad injuries but there was a couple of uh there, there was one if you're a defensive lineman yeah. and you break through and on the way past on your way to the quarterback, you get tripped up and you're stumbling. So you're kind of crawling towards the quarterback. What do you do? Are you allowed to like, okay, I'm just grabbing your leg. I'm not tackling you. I'm just grabbing your leg and then pulling you down. I can't hit you below the waist, but you can't reach him anywhere else. Are you allowed to touch him? What are you allowed to do? Do you got to get back up? Do you pull the guy's flag? What do you do? I just subscribe to the theory that eventually it's all going to even out. And I know that's might be a cop out, but I think that, you know, you're going to get gifted some BS calls over the course of a season and you're going to have some called against you. And you just have to hope that the ones that go against you aren't called in hugely critical situations. Like, I got to hope that it doesn't get called in the fourth quarter, you know, two minutes to go. It doesn't get called in overtime. It doesn't get called in the playoffs. You're going to get your share by the end of the year. You just got to hope that yours come in an advantageous situation and the ones against you don't. Yeah, and the ones that happen are usually the hits on the quarterback that a, a D lineman coming through gets his hand up trying to deflect the pass or get his hands in, and he brushes the face mask or gets a piece of the face mask or falling down goes into his legs or reach. And if that winds up being, you know, if it's just a brush of a face mask on a fourth and 15 with the game on the line and it gives you that first down that costs you defensively the game, that, that's hard to swallow. The Patriots don't get those calls because they don't throw enough to get those calls. So things don't happen to Cam like that. Yeah, and Cam's 6'6", so it takes a little more to, to, to make that hit on Cam to look bad. So, I, I, yeah, you're right. And, and Cam runs so hard now and physically that um, you know, he becomes a running back and they got to hit him. I want to I end it on this. Um, so Pro Football Focus last week – they made their predictions for the offseason. I'm not really too big into lists usually, but they had Cam sign a one-year deal with the Bengals. And the reason why was because they think that maybe Burrow won't be ready. Maybe uh, Cam will get a chance to start earlier in the year. So whatever. They have Cam going to the Bengals. They have Ryan Fitzpatrick coming to the Patriots. Same thing. One-year stopgap. They've got him making $10 million, so not that much money. And they don't need him in Miami because they got Tua. And it just hit me. Is Ryan Fitzpatrick the modern-day Doug Flutie? You, uh, can, you can win with him, but he's not the guy, as you say. Bingo. That's such a good comparison. I, I think of that. He's bounced around. He makes his team competitive everywhere he goes, but he's not the answer, the guy. Even this year, you know, the way he had to step down and turn over the reins um, it, with a team that's in the playoff hunt and making a run, you know, and – it's from that standpoint, it's so frustrating as a quarterback. Uh, and I think he's really that type of guy that, that everyone knows he's good. He, he's going to help us win. But while he's here, we're still looking for our guys. So I think that's a good comparison. It's very similar to my situation. Fitzpatrick is 38 years old. He'll be 38 for most of next season. If you were him and you know that that's kind of how you're perceived, would you even want to come to New England? Like, let's just say they draft a quarterback 
and you can come and you're in the exact same situation you were in in Miami where, hey, maybe I get the whole year. Maybe I get eight games. Maybe I get four games. I don't know. Would you even want to sign up for that yet again in your career? Um, it's frustrating because the hardest part of all that, uh, the, let me preface this by saying you want to find a way to be on the field no matter what. You'd love to do it if you think you could start and be the guy for a while because mm -hmm. you believe in your heart that you're going to go 6-0 and and they're not going to be able to get you off the field. That's the way you think as a quarterback. But the, the pain in the neck part of that is another team, another offense, learning a whole offense, terminology, all the audibles, getting to know the guys, getting comfortable again. That's the hard part. Is he really comfortable with the guys in Miami now already? Is he in that position where, you know what, I'll stay here, I'll be a backup and and – you know, the way Tua plays, he runs hard. He may get nicked up. I, they may need me before this is said and done, and I might be a big part of it. The, 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 the hard part for me was learning another offense, getting comfortable again. That start, it's, it's not easy to go in and play well right away. Cam this year, you know, you've yeah. heard him talk about learning the new offense and how it's all different and, and getting comfortable as the year goes. He's, get, he's still probably, there's some things that come up. Um, that that to me is the hardest part, but as a, as a competitor and as a starting quarterback, you just want to find a way to be the guy and be a starter and get on the field. So I guess my question is, and again, I don't like the money talk too much, but Cam, like how much is that worth to you? Do you think that Cam has already been in your system and doesn't need to do that stuff? And now, so next year you go in the off season, Hey, we got Cam or we can sign Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick might be a little better. He's a pure thrower of the football. He might be a better thrower. But Cam's uh, already been here. He already knows that stuff. How much does that matter? Uh, it plays into it because of his relation. Like we've seen with Cam as far as being a leader and the guys loving him and playing with him and for him and, and being excited for him when he gets in the end. All that stuff goes a long way. Of course, Ryan Fitzpatrick has that same, uh, that same attitude and always seems to be loved by his teammates. So that wouldn't be an issue with Ryan. But – I think of it as a risk. I, I personally, I think there's much more top end right now after watching Cam for a year. And I, I hate criticizing quarterbacks because I know yeah. how hard it is. I, I know, but there's a there's a higher ceiling with Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think his ability to throw the football opens things up. Um, you know, that being said, the stuff that Cam does running the football. And the way they can pound the football and wear teams down and run the ball. Because you've heard me say it a hundred times. I don't like running the football. I don't like I don't I don't think you win in the NFL by just running the football. I think it yeah. keeps you in the game and it gets you there. You know, you're close, but just get the ball in the end zone, you got to be able to throw it. All right, we'll end it on this. Uh, again, we are gonna do our second podcast of the week. We're gonna tape it on Saturday after the Thursday night game with the Rams. I want to ask you quickly about that Rams matchup. Man, I the Rams have a great secondary. They got Jalen Ramsey. They got some lockdown corners. I don't know that it will matter because the Patriots don't really throw the football. But my question is this. Can the Rams just put 10 in the box and just say, we'll trust our corners to shut down one-on-one -on, -one on the outside, and we will put everybody else in the box? Can they do that? I, I Yes, I believe that. I, I believe you don't show it as that. You have okay. – you have two low safeties on each side of the field, so it looks like four across. Your corners are playing man-to-man, -man, so it looks like quarters, and those safeties just fill quickly. And so it's basically a nine-man front. And I, I think you do that against Cam because he threw two balls over 10 yards last week. Yeah. And one was completed but underthrown. The other was incomplete. That should have been a touchdown that was underthrown. I'll take my chances. I got good corners. I'll take my chances. Now the problem with that, the problem with that is you can hit a slant route, you know, a five-yard pass, hit him running, he breaks a tackle, it's a it's an 80-yard touchdown. That's the problem with doing that. But the number one concern of any defense right now facing the Patriots is shut down the running game and keep Cam from running for first downs on third and short. The this will be the third time this year we've seen an offense with a whole lot of – I guess be the fourth with a whole lot of bells and whistles to it. Mm -hmm. Kyle Shanahan with San Francisco, Lamar Jackson in Baltimore, Cliff Kingsbury, Kyler Murray. Now we're going to see Sean McVay, whose star appears to have fallen a bit as a play caller when compared to Kingsbury and Shanahan in that division. I love McVay. When you're facing a team with all those bells and whistles, the number one key for the Patriots defense is what? 
it would be nice to line up and get the pressure again on the quarterback. Um, however, they run a lot of empty, yeah, uh, five wide stuff that's quick. So Bill may have some two man, you know, where you it looks like you got five guys up in there and drop out and have two man rush and just cover. Hmm. And uh, that that nickel and dime, it, it's like facing Tom Brady when the P Patriots had the quick the good tight ends and the slots and everything and a bang, 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 bang down. That's the type of stuff that's very, very difficult to stop. The way you stop that, you can't get to the quarterback in time. So you either fool him and cover or you get your hands up and tip some passes and mm -hmm. get some batted balls on the quick passing game. Well, we will see what happens. Patriots looking to move to seven and six. They haven't been over 500 since they were two and one. So uh, they're looking to get to seven and six Thursday night football against the Rams. You can follow Aaron Wells, our producer, find him on social media, Doug Flutie, Twitter, Instagram at Doug Flutie. I am Brady Farkas. You can follow me at WDEV Radio Brady. We will be back over the weekend with a special edition of the podcast, breaking down the Rams game. Pat's still in the playoff conversation. Doug, enjoy the game. We will talk to you this weekend. Will do. Save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre-finished engineered siding. It's durable and includes a Sherwin-Williams factory finish paint warranty that means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP Smart Side today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big